0: Well, it is good to see everybody today. My name's Nate. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, one of the pastors here, and in a moment, our volunteers are going to come. They're going to collect the offering. Uh, but I just want to encourage you with the same heart that we sing, is the same heart in which we give back to God. Uh, this is what the Scripture teaches: that everything we have is a gift from Him, and God owns everything already. So when we give back to Him, we give back with a grateful heart because everything we have is a gift from Him. And so right now as our volunteers come to collect uh, the offering, uh, we want to make you aware of one thing too. You can give online, northside.com. You can set up reoccurring giving that way or digitally uh, if you'd like. A couple of announcements though, uh, our Christmas Eve services, uh, Christmas at Northside. You might have seen a banner on the backside of this building uh, when you drove by, but uh, we are excited to celebrate, come together as a church to celebrate on Christmas Eve weekend. And uh, we are going to have eight identical services all through through that weekend. We're gonna add one on Saturday night, so it'll be five and seven, our normal Sunday morning times, and then at one, three, and five on that Sunday, or on that Monday. I wanna invite you to be a part of that. And now one thing that we celebrate as a church around Christmas time is a thing called the Big Give. And uh, what we do as a church is at the end of the year, we go, you know what, let's give a little bit more, but let's not just get here north side, let's give to some of our mission partners to meet needs across the globe and uh, you can find out more about our partners that we're partnering with Uh, out in the lobby. Uh, There is an African hut replicated out there as well as a nursery. Uh, One of the the ministries that we're partnering with is called the Nursery Project that partners with families uh, as they go through some difficulties when they introduce a child into this world. And uh, God's using them in a great way. And uh, you're gonna hear today from Terry and Amy Ruff, some of our uh, partners over in Africa, as God is doing unbelievable things. We're gonna put a new well over there for clean water. Uh, We're gonna expand their crops. So we're gonna uh, provide more food over there and more schooling and you can see and uh, what we just want you to do is just pray going hey God do you want me to give a little bit more at the end of the year and that will go directly to them uh, to expand ministries. Uh, but, you know, sometimes when you come into this room, it can feel a little bit overwhelming. And we want this place to feel like family, especially if this is your first time. And I want to invite you, if it's your first time or you just want to get connected, just to go out to the lobby. There's a place called The Living Room. We've got a gift for you if it's your first time. Or if you need prayer, on the back of your bulletin, there's a prayer request. You can write that in, drop it in on the box on the way out. Or if you want prayed for today, just stay seated. You don't have to fight any crowds. And our staff and our volunteers will come and pray for you today. And uh, this is what it means to be the church, that we encourage one another, we gather to worship, we sing, we lift up the name of Jesus, but we pray for one another. And uh, this whole season and in this series uh, called Eventually, you know, what we're doing is all of us have a a desire in our heart. Whether you're a Christ follower in here today or not, there's a desire in everybody's heart in this room. Matter of fact, uh, it's in Ecclesiastes, I think it's Ecclesiastes 3.11 that says, God has set eternity in the hearts of man that everybody in this room, we long for something more. And it's found at Christmas time that we meet what we desperately desire. And it's found only in Jesus. And so this series, what we've been doing is we've been looking at how Jesus has come and he is our hope that we look for. Today we're going to be looking at how he is the love that we're looking for. Next week will be joy, then peace, and then we will celebrate his presence on Christmas Eve. Uh, but we got something special today. Well, we was so neat, and this is why we just pay attention to what God's doing. You know, I was planning on love on, the, on this series, and uh, Doug Newland, our outreach pastor, called me and he said, hey, good news, Terry and Amy Ruff, our mission partners in Africa, some of you may know him, some of you don't. He goes, they're going to be in town. He said, would you want to do an interview with them? I said, absolutely, because what we know is this, when God came to the world, he didn't just come for us. Who did he come for? He for everybody. He came for everyone, and so today what we're going to do is we're going to learn a little bit of how God is moving through some of our mission partners in Africa, and then I'll kind of wrap up with a sermon after we get to hear from them of what God is doing. And so right now, would you welcome Terry and Amy Ruff to the stage as we celebrate what God is doing in and through them? Great to see you, my man. It's like we've done this before or something, right? A couple times. Uh, what's so neat about Terry and Amy is uh, they used to be on staff in the early 2000s here, if you don't know them. And uh, what we're going to hear is we're going to hear God's calling on their life to Africa. Uh, but matter of fact, my dad was on staff with them back in like 1992 in Bloomington, Indiana, and their son Jonathan and I being pastor's kids, we got in a whole bunch of trouble. Uh, matter of fact, we got busted running around on the church roof one time. And uh, I know, man, it's just, it's going to happen. I pray for my kids, if you would. And, uh, (laughs) but what we want to do today as we're talking about this idea of love. And we, you know, everybody wants to talk about love and all this other stuff. But there's something unique, actually, that you won't understand what love is until you understand the love of the Father. And so today we thought, well, this would be pretty unique. If you don't know Terry and Amy's story, we're going to do just three things. One, they're going to talk about how God's love prompted them to go to Africa uh, one, because that's not everybody's goal here. So you need to feel okay if you're going, oh man, I don't feel called to Africa. That's not everybody's goal. The goal is that we'd be obedient to God's love. And so they're going to share with us how God started stirring their heart for Africa. It's been 10 years this year that you guys have been there. So we're going to hear what God has done over these 10 years, what he's doing now. And then there's some transferable principles. Sometimes we go, oh, that's what God does over there. And we have a whole other thing he wants to do here. And that's not true. There's things that God is doing there that we need to learn, and we need to learn through them. And so let's just start there. Let me tell you, because you guys were on staff here, God started moving your heart there. Just start there. What was God doing? What was he kind of stirring in your hearts going, we, we need to go? There's something that, he, that he's doing.
1: Well, coming to the realization that there's people in the world who've never had a chance to hear about Jesus or have access to his word, to hear, a church to go to. We took a course called Perspectives on the World Christian Movement, and it really just messed everything up. <laughs> and we... Um, we used it as a mobilizing tool for Northsiders to um, see what God's doing in the world and how they can join him in that. And then it got to the point where we could just no longer be mobilizers. We need to go. Not everybody can go, but we decided we could go. So we started positioning ourselves in order to do that.
2: One of the things about the class that, that got me the most was uh, top line, bottom line, uh, emphasis of one of the courses in it, you know, I, after evaluating my life, I, I discovered that I was a top-line person. I, I had basked in all of the promises of God and you know, all, the, all the good stuff, like if you go to the refrigerator, not, not the artichokes and stuff you don't like, you grab for the stuff you always do like, that, that you like the best and blesses you the most. But the course emphasized God blesses you for a reason. He blesses you so that you can be a blessing to the nations. And that was both in Abraham's life, but really all through the, through the Bible, uh, you can see the theme of God's heart for the nations. And so that class really, we came out of that saying, how can we, the last part of our life, depending on how long God gives us, how can we make up for just focusing on the top line, but now focus more on the bottom line uh, make up for lost time.
0: I love that because I think sometimes we have this idea that we have to come up with great plans for God, and then he'll go, finally, you've come up with something good. You guys, this all came out of just understanding God's love for you, going your, what his calling is on our life, and then going, okay, God, this is where you keep. It wasn't a pressure. No. You were going, actually, if you weren't obedient to that, you weren't going to have the joy that God had on you. So 10 years have gone by. Right, you go there. Actually, Terry and Amy aren't just our mission partners; they are on our staff. And so, if someone asks you, "Is Northside a multi-site church?" you can go, "Yes." Oh, where are your locations? New Albany and Africa. All right, you know, and uh, <laughs> you know, we try to keep it real here. And uh, <laughs> I love it. I love that God prompted you, but prompted our leadership. I wasn't even on staff then. Prompted leadership that said, "No, you're on staff." This is what we are called to be as a church, and we just keep you know, walking in, in his ways. So 10 years. Tell us a little bit about where the ministry is now, what God is doing. Uh, just, just catch us up on that.
2: Well, uh, they have some pictures. Let's go ahead and run some of those, and I'll try to talk you through it. The guy on the end of the ta- table with a big smile is Isaac, and we've invested into him 10 years of tra- uh, different training things. Also some very difficult trials with him. But over the 10 years, uh, the relationship has gotten very strong. He is a top-notch trainer. And then Moses on the left side in the front is his cohort. And both of them are the leaders of a movement in uh, Bupe, a small town south of Tamale in northern region of, of Ghana. And that they are overseeing a network I would say close to 1,200, uh, 1,300 disciple make, making groups uh, this year, 610 new groups just this year that they've started. Uh, and uh, go, let's go to the next picture. And you know, that's what a normal group would look like. They circle a tree. In a Muslim context, it, it doesn't look like a church, and they discuss the teachings of Jesus, which they recognize at least as a prophet, so they're, they're okay with that. Let's go to the next slide. This is who Isaac and Moses work with now. Uh, Isaac is in the red in the back. And uh, so there's 14 uh, young men, many of them not even married, uh, that are going to seven segments of Gonjalan. We've divided up Gonjalan into 12 segments. And they're in seven segments. Next year, these 14 will all take a mentor and mentor 14 others. So we'll go into not only the rest of Gonjaland next year, but hopefully many uh, other regions in northern Ghana next year out of Land. And uh, it's just amazing seeing what God is doing through these guys. And th- in addition to that, Isaac and Moses have started groups in Cote d'Ivoire, they traveled over there four times now, and they have 88 discipleship groups going over there. And, uh, so and then they've one, recently gotten back from Niger.
0: You got one more picture, right, don't you? Oh, with the... do,
2: let's see, do I have another one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, Niger, this is with the Tareg family, which a uh, very militant, uh, radical Muslim group, and this guy is a person of peace that they discovered. Uh, all coming off of Matthew 10 and Luke 10. If, uh, you can read that passage later, but that's the, pretty much the scripture that we, we use to go into villages. When I say we, they go into villages. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd probably kill us. So, I mean, in, in Niger, in this setting, they would. <laughs> so... Uh, um, that's another reason why you want to make
0: disciples. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> well... Because well, well, they...
2: Send them.
1: <laughs> uh, so,
2: um, so I can't. Did I, did I say how many? Yeah. This year,
1: 2,500.
2: Yeah, 2,500 baptisms. baptisms in Bupe. Unbelievable. I mean, new baptisms. Um, yeah. I mean, and the, and then the, they're in four additional countries, and and uh, with it looks like God's. I got to call. Uh, um, message yesterday, Isaac messages me all the time, and uh, he, one of their guys from Cote d'Ivoire is in Morocco right now, looking for a person of the peace to start a house church.
0: You know, I think sometimes we can, we can plan, we can strategize, we can really, you know, try to figure all this out. <laughs> you said something last night that I just, yeah. I
2: love, man. Why don't you share that, that phrase? Well, the- the comment I made was that God wants this more than us. He wants your neighbors to come to him more than, than we do. Yeah. And, and uh, we, we a lot of times think we got to know a whole lot more than we need to know. We make things too hard. If we take the initiative, any in initiative at all, God will step in and you will find neighbors coming to Christ, uh, people in your family and household coming to Christ. That's what we're doing over there, and that's how we've had 2,500 baptisms this year. This is all people that, that are known within the circles of the individuals we lead to the Lord, and they simply start other groups. So God wants it more than, than we do. And don't take yourself too seriously.
0: I love it, man. I think that, that helps me. You guys even shared some other principles that you're going You know, we want, we would love to make, you know, this is the way, you know, we kind of were, oh, 2,500, oh, let's, let's baptize 2,500 next year, and you're like, well, that's a culmination of 10 years of some very small principles and an accumulative effect. You guys didn't start with that goal to try to baptize 2,500. You're going, this is a byproduct. What are some of those key things that we cannot forget in the ways of Jesus and his love that we need to practice here?
1: Um... Loving God means loving other people. And the best way that we can love someone else is to share Christ with them. Uh, That's an eternal gift uh, to them. We can help them, and and we should walk with people uh, in their hurts and what their needs are. But the best way to love your family, best way to love your neighbors, your coworkers, the people you come in contact with, is to share Christ with them. And it doesn't have to be, you know, like, oh, you know, they're not going to like me anymore if I do this. It's God has given us the command to go and to make disciples. And the best way you can do that is share his love. Yeah. And there's no better way to do that than to and to know that he, he's gone before us. He's preparing their hearts. So if we're praying, asking God to show us, he's going to be preparing their hearts as well.
2: One of the things that we do in, in the training is encourage people to think of as many people that they know uh, in their circle of influence. And so um, in a literate, uh, illiterate context, it might be they remember in their head, you know, 50, 25 people, but you can take a sheet of paper and just start writing down doctors, nurses, co-workers, people you go to school with, on, on and on the list goes, family, and then pray over that list for two or three weeks Ask God to reveal what what five people do you want me to to uh, reach out to first? Because, and then which one out of the five you want me to start with? Mm -hmm. Let the Holy Spirit prompt you and lead you, and and take the initiative. And God will give you uh, your own unique way of reaching out to your neighbor. Uh, and there's many other tools. We, I mean, if you just stop by the booth and we'll, we'll tell you about an online tool that basically is exactly what we're doing over there, only it's in a literate format, in a video format,
1: <clears throat>
2: and we'd be glad to show you how to get your hands on that, or I'm sure there's tons of things that the church here has offered that will help you disciple the person once they come to Christ, and... Uh, so that, that would be our prayer, is that's, Satan stole all, a, a third of the angels is, is some of the interpretation of scriptures. Ever since he's been thrown to earth, he's been trying to steal man from God, and all a man was intended to be around God's throne, sharing in his glory for eternity. Are we going to let Satan steal God's glory? My prayer is that that would bother you more than it bothers me and motivate you to rescue as many to be where they are supposed to be. Hell wasn't created for man. It was devil and his angels. And you are God's instrument in helping people living around you go not to hell, but to heaven where they could bask in God's glory for eternity. Don't take that responsibility lightly. Uh, be angry about what Satan's doing and try to, to bring, bring them to the to the Lord and make this the ending of this story a good one.
0: You know, I'm preparing on this. And after last night, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pray for them because that's what American pastors do. You know, we're, we're like, I'm going to pray God could use you. Then I'm like... I need you to pray for me, you know, and I need you to pray for us that we would align with God's heart and understanding. And so would you just take a moment to pray for us? I think there's fear and insecurity on our part, you know, to really realize, you know, and like what you said, God's already preparing people. We just need to step into what he has for us and be bold in his enabling to go, God, we just
2: want to point people to
0: you. So would you pray for us?
2: Sure. Father, you know how much we love Northside and uh, impact that they've made on so many lives. And we thank you, first of all, for that. But but right now, we pray for a a deeper awakening of what you want to do through them in the future. That every one of them live around uh, people that are unique to them. And just help them to to see that you and understand that you want this more than they do and and that be open to your leading to how to reach out to the people whether it be praying for them for two or three weeks and going with the ones that you've prompted to their hearts the most or just father I, I can't imagine if all the people at Northside just focused on one person and discipled that person next year that would be a A lot of people, new people. And a year after that, if they have taught that person how to disciple, there would be even more. Mm -hmm. Father, those people, instead of being around around, uh, Lazarus or or the rich man in hell, they would be around Lazarus Mm -hmm. and celebrating you for eternity. So, Father, give us wisdom how to do that. Give us the boldness. Help us eliminate excuses. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
0: Let's thank Terry and Amy for sharing the time, my heart, man. Thank you, Appreciate you guys. Love you. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. So proud of you guys. And uh, man, I, I love how God lines all this stuff up. You know, he just talks about joining him and reminds me over and over again. And, you know, I was, uh, I was preparing for this message and then Doug, you know, calls me and says, hey, Terry and Amy are in town. And. Uh, it was good because God had only given me one verse to preach, and uh, which some of you're like, "Praise the Lord, you know." Uh, but it was so fascinating. God had already given me the verse, and then I find out that they want to, you know, that they're in town, and Doug's like, "Man, would it work?" And and what's so funny is here is the verse is John 3:16. And a lot of times at Christmas we look at all these other passages and for some reason God kept bringing me back to John 3.16 because that is the best display of God's love for the world. And a matter of fact, I want us just to read this as a church today. A lot of times we don't do this, but we're going to do this today. We're going to put it up on the screen and we're just going to read this out loud. So here we go. You ready? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Boy, this is the Christmas story. That God would say all of humanity is worth it. And Terry and Amy, this is how God works. This is why we got to listen. Terry, he's saying stuff last night. and I'm like, I didn't share my sermon notes with you, man. You know, how do you know this stuff? And what's so fascinating about, you know, Terry was saying, you know, sometimes we hear those big movements in Africa and 2,500 people getting baptized. And boy, we got to be skilled and all this other stuff. And then he goes, no, just start praying for one person. That's all they've been doing is praying, God, one person. And over 10 years, you're seeing this movement happen. And you know what's so fascinating about John 3.16? Jesus said that verse to guess how many people? One person. That's not what we think about John 3.16. If anybody watched any college football yesterday, you saw that up in the end zone, right? Trying to get the whole stadium to know. And Jesus gives us John 3.16 to a man named Nicodemus, who wasn't even yet a believer, who had all sorts of questions and doubts about God and Jesus, and he couldn't get baptism right and couldn't understand this. And you see Jesus go, this is my heart for the world, that I love the world, that I'm willing to give the most famous verse to one person. See, this, when we talk about love, this is the love that we're talking about. About And today, this is my question for you. This is where I want us to hang. Because some of you, you heard that verse. Maybe you have that verse tattooed on your arm. I don't know, you know. You're very familiar with it. You might have a bumper sticker. You might have all this other stuff. And and I know you're going to go, okay, Nate, are you going to call me to love God? And, man, let's love God with all of our heart. But the question for you and I today is not, will you love God? The question for you and I today is this, will we let God love us? See, that's different, isn't it? Because a lot of times when we feel like, oh, we got to go love God, okay, we got to go to Africa, we got to go do these good things, you know how they ended up in Africa? They let God love them. You know how you'll be a part of a great movement of God? Not by going and doing great things for God, because he's not trying to be impressed by you, he's not trying to go, oh, wow, now I'm going to love you, that's not the love of God. The love of God loves us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gives this to Nicodemus because he's going, you need to know the love of the Father and you need to be loved by the Father. It's not Nicodemus, will you love God? It's Nicodemus, will you let God love you? Today, will you begin by saying, no, I'm just gonna allow God to love us. A lot of times we're uncomfortable with that, whether we acknowledge it or not. But a lot of times we say stuff like this, no, I need to prove that I'm worthy to be loved. I need to earn God's love because that's how you and I live. Right, that's the appreciation that we get. We don't get a raise or a bonus unless we've earned it. You know, nobody's like, you know what? You're really struggling. I want to give you a bonus. You know, that, that's not the way business a lot of times works. And so what I want to do today is I just want to look at, there's three things, and, and there's probably more, but as I thought about this, I began to think, you know, in this passage and in my own life, there are three ways of thinking that keep me from allowing God to love me, not because he doesn't want to, but because I won't let him. And I want us to experience God's love in the fullness, and I want you to experience this. And this means we're going to have to change our way of thinking. The first thing is this, if you want to write this down, is one of the ways that I think incorrectly about the love of God is this, that keeps me from being loved by God, is I begin by thinking God owes me. Anybody been there? You go, God, if you love me, you'll do this for me. And the whole time we live that way, here's our problem. We're never receiving the love that the Father already has for us. This is why probably, I know in my life I've never heard this before, but this is why probably in your life you've never heard this phrase uttered by anybody. Man, I love the IRS. (laughs) Nobody's ever said that. Why? Because the IRS is always about either you owe them or they owe you. And in any relationship where somebody owes, think about it right now. Think about somebody who owes you. Even if it's 20 bucks from high school right now, you're like, oh, yeah, man. And I'm going to collect interest on that, you know. And, but here's the deal. If you feel like somebody owes you, maybe it's they owe you an apology. How much love do you have for them right now? None. See, the problem is when we feel like people owe us, we never love them. Too often times we walk, and this is our sin nature in us, we'll walk around believing that God owes us. I remember one time... I broke up with a girlfriend. It was only the serious relationship I really kind of had. And, you know, I was feeling bad for myself. So I went and drowned my sorrows in lattes. And, uh, you know, I'm like, make it a breve. Put that whole milk in there and another pump of peppermint mocha. You know what I'm saying? I was really feeling bad for myself. And I'm like, wait a second. I broke up with her. But I was still feeling bad for myself. I remember sitting in a coffee shop one time and I, I saw my friend walk by and I saw, and I looked at his girlfriend, and literally this is what I said to God. I went, God, how are you going to give a guy like that a girl like her? <laughs> hey, this church is where we confess our sins to one another, all right? <laughs> but I did. I just sat there, and I was honest with God. I'm like, God, how are you going to give him that? And I'm sitting here single. If you loved me, because here's what I thought. I thought I was better than him. And so since I thought I was better than him, I thought I deserved more than him, which means I think God owes me something. And in the midst of being brokenhearted and sitting there drowning my sorrows in lattes, God's going, do you realize the love I have for you? you? Oh, no, 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 no. Here's the problem. Nate, because you think I owe you, you're actually keeping the love that I have for you away. What he was saying is this, not, Nate, will you love me? But, Nate, will you let me love you? You go, well, where is this in Scripture? Let's talk about it. Romans 5, verse 8, has a beautiful picture of God's love for us. Matter of fact, I love the way that Paul summarizes this. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you realize that while you and I owed God because of our sin, God didn't say, well, I'm not going to love you. What does it say he did? He saw us in our sinfulness, and he loved us. See, this is what makes love powerful in this world. This is what makes love powerful in your marriage, is when your spouse might owe you an apology, you're not waiting for it. You're going to go, I know they owe me that, and I'm going to love them because, Jesus, that's the way you love Me. Matter of fact, this is what the world desperately needs because this is how the world is operating. If anybody's noticed, have you noticed there's no more middle ground on any discussion politically, even theologically now, into churches? Like there is no middle ground. You are on one end or the other. And here's the deal somebody goes, We want love for the world, but here's the deal you're going to look like us, act like us, speak like us, and believe us. And if you don't, we don't love you. And I'm like, wow, I feel the love. And it's funny how we'll only want to love those who line up exactly where we're at. See, this is why Jesus' love is so important because it comes into the world and it loves us even when we don't love him. And he goes, I know you owe me, but I'm going to love for God so loved the world that he gave us one. See, this is the good news of Jesus at Christmas. That love came down, that love came full of humility, that love came full of vulnerability as a baby, that love didn't just come in and go, oh, isn't that precious a baby? No, 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 no. That baby would grow up to be a man and would die on the cross for us and the sins of all of humanity so that we could have a hope and a future with him. God demonstrates his love for us this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not will you love God, but will you start by letting God love you? See, this is a different way to think. This is a different way to live. This is what Christmas is all about. It's actually backwards. Matter of fact, the family members you'll love most this Christmas are the ones who will give you the gift you actually want. Right? Some of you are like, how'd you know? Right? We're all sinners. You know, write a thank you note to, you know, aunt so-and-so. Didn't like her gift, you know. She's not getting a thank you note. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask for the gift receipt, right? You know, (laughs) that's what we do. And a lot of times we won't love unless we feel like they've given us because we feel like they, oh, and God goes, no, no, no. We got to be careful. We got to be careful. Second thing that slows us down that we don't even realize is this. This will stand in the way of letting God love us, God loving us is this. We begin to believe that God loves everybody but me. I bet he loves everybody in this room. He just, he forgot about me. He, he didn't know me. He didn't love me. See, this is why Jesus says, whoever believes in him. Whoever means all of us. He's saying, I'm saying all of you. I want all of you in this relationship with me. And here's why. Because whoever, I'm calling all people to me. I'm calling every tribe and tongue and nation to me. I'm calling everybody, whoever believes in him shall not perish. This is the beauty of God. And oftentimes, here's our problem. God is trying to rescue us. He's trying to lead us in to this relationship. But we keep thinking this way. God just loves everybody else but me. I see it. I'm comparing myself. I'm doing all these other things. Matter of fact, I love this quote. It comes from one of my favorite theologians. His name's Henry Nouwen. Listen, what he says here. He says this in his book, Life of the Beloved. I thought this was fascinating. He says, Over the years, I've come to realize that the greatest trap in our life is not success, not popularity or power, but self rejection. This guy has been dead for a long time, which means if it's true today, It's God's truth. And oftentimes, here's our problem. It's not your success. It's not your popularity. It's not your power. But it's your continual and my continual self-rejection that holds us back from experiencing the love. It's not because God's rejected. He knows that you and I are sinners. That's why he came. Because God so loved the world. See, this is why we got to keep filling our minds and our hearts with God's Word, because some of you go, well, I don't feel like God's very loving. This is why we got to look at God's love for us. Matter of fact, th- this is just one of my favorite passages of all time. It's in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. It's how God spoke to Jesus at his baptism. You know those moments when somebody at Little League, even if they get their first base hit, even if they get hit and they get on base, you know those parents, got a boy, Johnny! You know, quit crying, but that a boy, you know, even this morning, my son Zeke woke up and uh, I went in there to get him and I hear Zeke, I turn on the lights, I come in and I I look at him and he looks at me, he's about 15 months old now and he goes, "Dad, dad." (laughs) yes, he said it, you know, I pick him up like Simba, you know, and I'm like, I want to dedicate him today, you know, to the Lord and all this other stuff and I'm so proud, I'm like, I don't even know if he really said it, but I'm such a proud dad, I'm like, he said it, You know, he'll test him. I'm sure he'll test as a first grader. You know what I'm saying? Like there's these moments in his that we always think more of our kid. And in Matthew chapter three, you see the heart of Jesus at Jesus' baptism. Jesus gets baptized to fulfill all righteousness, to show us the way to respond to God. And I love this, what it says in Matthew chapter three, verse 17, when Jesus at his baptism, he gets baptized and when he comes out of the water, it said, a voice from heaven said, and this is the father's voice. This is my son. Whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. There's a pastor down in uh, Alabama. His name's Chris Hodges. I heard him speak on this passage. I love this passage, and I thought this was fascinating. He said, there's three things that God says here to Jesus that all of our hearts need without knowing it. It's these three things. I think I have a slide for it. It says this. He says what he tells to Jesus is he gives them acceptance. He says, you are my son. See, when we get baptized, when we place our faith in Christ, he looks at us as his son and he looks at you and I as broken and sinful as we are. And when we trust Christ, he looks at you and I and you go, you are my son or you are my daughter. And we long to hear that acceptance. He says, he, we hear this acceptance, we hear this affection, whom I love, and then we hear this affirmation, and with him I am well pleased. Psychologists have to battle, especially with these past generations that have grown up, because they, especially men, have never heard the word, I love you, from their father. And oftentimes what's happened is dads have withheld that one because sometimes we don't know how to say it but a lot of times we know that is deeply what our son wants to hear i'm proud of you son and so we'll withhold it so that they can continue to earn our appreciation and our affection which actually here's what happens when you do that you destroy the psyche and the heart and the mind and the soul of your kid See, this is why we need to pay attention to the love of the Father because what has Jesus done to get God to say that to him? How many miracles has, has he done? None. How many people have he, has he brought back from the dead? None. How many people has he led to the Lord? None. None. Has he gone to the cross? No. Here's what God knew about Jesus because Jesus was fully God and yet he was fully man. He feels what you and I feel and what God knew is this. As humanity, you need to hear the love from your father. You're my son and I love you and I'm not waiting to say you're doing good until you die on the cross. I'm telling you right now, with you, I am well pleased with you. Not will you love God, will you let God love you? See, this is the love of Christmas that came down. And it speaks into the soul of our heart. And not only that, here's the third thing that keeps us from experiencing this love. I think this way too often, and it blocks me from what God wants to do. It's this, that sometimes we think God only gets good when we get to heaven. That we were to get baptized, okay, I'm going to believe in this love that God gives me. I'm going to, okay, I accept it. I got baptized. Now, hopefully I don't mess this up until I get to heaven. Because he says this, If anyone believes in him, they shall not perish, but have eternal life. And what we've done is this. We've put eternal life and equated it only with heaven. So we're going, man, we're stuck here on earth. Lord, when are you coming back, man? And we feel like all we're supposed to do is hang out here on earth. Hopefully we don't mess up. Hopefully we don't do a bunch of bad stuff. So at the end of our life, he'll go, come on in. Except what did Jesus pray in Matthew chapter 6 in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth, as it is where? In heaven. Is that your prayer? God, thank you for loving me. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, not when I die, but right now on earth, as it is in, Do you realize eternal life starts in Jesus here and now, not when you die? Do you know that? A lot of times we're waiting. I can't wait to experience eternal life. J- Jesus is eternal life. The only reason why eternal life is in heaven is because that's where Jesus will be as well. See, too often we miss out on what God wants to do right now. Terry and Amy said that, hey, man, let's just start with one. God has brought eternity to earth in Jesus, and he's going, will you allow me to love you so you can bring eternity here as well? What a calling. What a gift. What a life that he wants us to experience. Matter of fact, right now our volunteers are going to go back to get ready for communion. And I don't know about you, but sometimes here's what happens at communion. I, uh, Communion will come, and we want to invite, if you're a believer, we want to invite you to be a part of it, and this is my problem that I have at communion. Not that anything's wrong with communion, but here's my problem that I have at communion. Anybody else, when you get communion, you think about all the bad things you did this last week? You're like, oh, man, this was a bad week, Lord. Can I take two? You know, can I take two of those juices? Now I'm going to keep this tray to myself. You you all can get your own. It has been a rough week. And I get that communion. And you know all I can think about? God, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was impatient. God, I'm so sorry I lost my temper. God, I'm so sorry for this. And this is my problem when I'll get to communion. God, I'm going to make it up to you next week. Some of you, I'm living your life right now, aren't I? I'm going to do better next week. You get to next week's communion. Can I have two trays? I got worse. (laughs) And God's sitting there, you know what he's saying? Nate, it's not will you love me next week, it's next week, will you let me love you? Nate, you want to be patient with your kids? Experience the patience of my love for you that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you, Nate. See, when we get to communion, we take this in awe. We are so mindful of our sinfulness. We're so mindful of where we're broken. We remember it, but we sit, simply sit here and go, no, God, here's our brokenness, and we're gonna let you love us once again. And we've come here to be loved by you. You're not waiting for us to earn your love. You're not waiting for us to perform. So then we might get your love. See, this is why this is such a big deal, because we need to allow his love, because his love, when we receive it, it leads into everything else. And this love is so important because right now some of you are going, no, I am, you know, I am letting God love me. The only problem is this right now, my life it is my life is hurting so bad, not because of what I've done, but because of what's happened in my life. Matter of fact, as a church right now, there's some of us in this room that are grieving deeply. I don't know if anybody uh, saw the news or if you heard about the plane that crashed in Memphis, just up the road. Anybody heard about that? The pilot in that plane, Andrew Davis, went to this church. His parents, Tony and Teresa, have been here for over 20 years. Andrew was in the, he went on the Dominican mission trip this year, built homes for the poor, lived his life for Jesus. His beautiful family, Erica, and their son, Jackson, who's three, and Sophia, who's 18 months. Our hearts are grieving right now. Couldn't believe it, they were at church last service. Set, over here and prayed for them as a family. And I want to invite you, if you have any connection to Andrew, if you have any connection to Tony, Teresa, or Erica, I want to invite you after the service. I've been getting texts all week from people who are on Andrew's build team down the Dominican, all this other stuff, people that are grieving. We want to invite you, if you're affected by this, after service just to come down to the cross. We want to pray with you and grieve with you. But see, why we do communion, why we do this, is not just to say, God, I'm sorry, and next week I'm gonna do better because I know I need to do better. No, 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 we, we come to these moments, we go, God, oh man, I'm broken. I'm not just broken. God, I'm pouring my heart out so you can love me because Jesus, it's only your love that will hold us together. This is how God demonstrated his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is a love our world does not know and our world cannot create. Today, will you let God love you through his Son? and what he did on the cross. If you need to spend some time during communion, confessing to him, confess. If you just need to put your heart before the Lord and go, God, I am destroyed right now. Let him love you. Because see, it was Christ who went to the cross, not just to pay for sin, but conquered death when he rose again. This is the hope that the Davis family has. Oh, we grieve the loss of Andrew, but we grieve it with hope that we know where he is. He's with the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that that is not the end of Andrew's life, but thank you, Jesus, that Andrew brought heaven to earth. What a life he lived. Let me pray for us, and then let us be loved by him. Father, thank you for giving us a love that is deep for giving us a love that is meaningful, for giving us a love that is full and that is not afraid of our failures. Father, give us courage right now to allow you to love us in the embarrassment, and the failures. God, thank you for freeing us from living a life that we have to perform for you to get your love, but you give us your love first. May we dwell on that. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.